Hey guys, it's Gerard. Just wanted to let you know this episode we will be discussing alcohol abuse and addiction. We here at Bicolso know this is a very sensitive and serious subject and we want to provide you all with the right resources. Here's the National Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services hotline number if you or anyone you know is struggling or in need. Their number is 1-800-662-HELP or 1-800-662-4357 and they're available 24-7. Thanks guys and enjoy the episode. <laughs> it's okay to laugh, Andrea. We're going to get it all in. <laughs> um, welcome to another episode of Biocoastal. I'm Bianca. I'm Gerard. And uh, that's it. Thank you guys for... So much for watching, listening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it was a good show last week. I've gotten some more feedback. I know you guys probably don't care, but I don't care. I'm telling you that the feedback was pretty good. Um, I think the biggest one that we got this time was it was more like really informative, more so than, you know, anything else. Like they did say, yeah, the entertaining part, but a lot of people liked how it was informative. I have a lot of people coming to me and inquiring about the food allergy test now. Oh, cool. (laughs) I I was going to say good and then cool came out. (laughs) That's so ugly. (laughs) Gruel. (laughs) That's amazing. But, um, yeah, so I'm really happy for it. Uh, I feel good about it. We still don't have new followers, but I'm guessing, or I can assume, that the subscribers are there. So whether or not they're following us on IG or anything like that, I don't think really determines if we have the listeners that are there. Um, Let's see, follow-ups for the week. Anything new, exciting, and fun? Um, I fell into, like, this weird hole like black hole yesterday of like renaissance paintings like discovering the meaning behind these paintings literally like it's like 11 o'clock at night francisco's playing the sims and i'm just like watching about the birth of venus and like what the meaning behind it is what the true meaning is the style of like high renaissance art and i'm just like thinking of like all the art history classes that i was taking at asu that like talked about all these um pieces and i'm like we're like I saved all these stupid bullshit notes, but why didn't I save that stuff? Like that stuff, I wish I would have saved because I don't know. That matters to you? Yeah, I have no idea where it is. And then that led me into like the golden ratio and the rule of thirds, and then that led me into like sacred geometry. <laughs> and, <I'm just> like, <laughs> and then I blinked, and all of a sudden, my house was covered in crystals and sacred runes. And then <laughs> it, was the, it was the weirdest thing. But that's literally all that happened this week. Um. I let's see I just talked to a human being three seconds ago in person about eight feet away Suzanne left games in front of her house so she sets up Spider-Man and Optimus Prime to do interesting things every day so when families and their kids are going on walk it's like something different which Hunter looks forward to but she was leaving as I was we were going over there so I was actually able to talk to her and it was probably the most fulfilling experience I've had in a really long time it was so you learned like to talking to the same three people. Yeah, it was nice. Like we were actually able to laugh and joke. And she's like, "It's like we haven't seen each other for weeks." I'm like, "I would say about." So that was nice. Um, two days ago, I was giving Hunter a bath, and I fla- found a uh, blackhead on his baby peen. Oh, wow. and- <laughs> 
on his on his penis skin, like the fold, and he had it in the same spot way back when we were living at your parents' house. But then he didn't he wasn't like aware of like what I was doing, so I pinched it and it came out. But this time he was like fully aware. So I had to sit there and he's like, wait, it hurts. I'm like, it doesn't fucking hurt. But I had to fight everything to not, you know, when you see a pimple or blackhead, your immediate thing is like, you just want to get in and get out. But I had to sit there and like gently, I was like, this is the longest I've ever touched your private son and the longest I've ever liked you. <laughs> and because I had to go gentle, I, you know, that um, zip popper that we purchased, that thing that has double sided. Mm hmm. I just used that to slowly scrape it off, but it was pretty big. So then like we fin got it out and he's like, we really need to clean my peen mom. I'm like, you really need to clean your peen. Get it together. <laughs> um, so that was a couple days ago. I did purchase a bidet. So oh! I'll, yeah, I will be joining oh, the European anal cleansing crew. Um, so I will let you guys know how that goes. I just got one, if it's good enough. And this one has a feminine frontal. Am I right? Yeah. yeah. Which I won't be okay. using for anything but pleasure. So that would be exciting. When <laughs> <laughs> you put that seat on, is it like a, a like... It's an like attachment a, in the back. So then how, so then there's like a separate hose that comes around the front? Or is that like a thing? Like, how does it that work? It connects to the, you know, the water shutoff valve on the bottom? So yes. it doesn't connect, it connects to that. So it's always clean water. It's not bad water. So as we're reading up on all the like, you know, false or myths about bidets, like you're using pee water or poo water, just hitting up there, whatever it might be. <clears throat> but it's just on the back, you detach the lid, not the lid, but the seat. You plug it in, replug the seat, and then it attaches on the side. And there's a cord that you can plug into the shutoff valve. And then you're able to turn the water that way and control it. And you can do hot water if you want. They have like your fancy ones. I just need one to do a little bit of spit spit. And then apparently this one also has a feminine pleasure as well. I mean, they say cleansing. But is that really? say, they don't yeah. market it that way. Yeah, <laughs> Say however you want to say it. But I know what it's really for. So, But I'm excited for it. So if that works out, I'll probably buy another one. Maybe for like the guest bathroom downstairs. We should get a bidet. It's, Send the link or where'd you get it? Amazon? Yeah, go to Amazon. And it was like 50, 50 something dollars. So they used to have a couple on Target, but um, they were like for 20 something dollars. And when I was looking into it, at the time, they're available. They're not now. So I just went on to Amazon. And this one's, I mean, I don't need the $400 ones. They just, you know, little spritz. But they, there's like a lot of every person who, was skeptical about it is like a true butt washer lover now they are on board so i figured i might as well get there too so we'll uh i'll let you guys know the reviews at that point from <laughs> other than that i baked and i cooked a lot so are we going to introduce our guest who listeners yes. have heard laugh <laughs> <laughs> uh so as we all know we did mention um our first guest is andrea she is one of our closest friends that has uprooted from Macy's, probably the only good thing we got out of Macy's. Because <laughs> everything else is just, a, well, for me, it's like a faded memory nightmare. But for you guys, it's still pretty current. Oh, my God. Wait, I had a dream that I got fired. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> and, and yes, I did. I had a dream. I got sorry to break away, but I had a dream that I got fired from Macy's. 
And in my dream, for some reason, they had access to like my home closet, and I kept like. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> what? It doesn't make any sense. But like, okay, so you know how like the Levi's jeans has like they have like five different tags on them, but the ones yeah. that like go yeah. around the back. Mm-hmm. So, um, I in my dream, I like had that on there, and it had like the CRL to make a return, but it was like hanging partially off because I like I tried on the jeans and I wore them one time but I to see if I like liked them like how they fit and I didn't like them so I kept them in my closet and for some reason the people had AP had access to my closet and saw that I had that and they fired me because they're saying like you're wearing these to work but you still plan on returning them and I was like but you can see that all the jeans are like that like (laughs) I'm not doing anything like why would I why would I want to get fired from work but then I got fired and then like in my dream I was like fucking finally I got fired I'm out of there (laughs) <laughs> you didn't wishful thinking yeah. yeah and then i woke up and i realized no not not yet okay but, but sorry go, go back. my favorite part of that story is you said your home closet as opposed yeah. to your work closet, closet. <laughs> <laughs> but i was just like why is ap in my home and firing me like, it just it didn't make sense but in the dream it made perfect sense like there was no reason why they would like why wouldn't you guys be inside my house <laughs> Right, right. So, uh, I mean, do we don't really have to introduce you any other way than that. Welcome to yeah. the show. We're so glad to have you. Well, it's gonna first, be of all, first of all, <laughs> I'd like yeah. to do my own introduction. <laughs> if you're going to do a fucking musical number, I'm out of here. <laughs> no, I, I mean, like, like real talk, I just wanted to say... Um, Thank you for, you know, having me on as your first guest. And I also wanted to say that I'm super proud of you guys. This is Brad. It's awesome. You've talked about it for many moons and you're actually doing it. So looking on. Yeah. All right. Back to you guys. Okay. uh, This show today is going to be talking about uh, alcohol addiction. So... Buckle up, bitches, because it's about to get real. (laughs) I wouldn't even know. I guess you more or less, really, Andrea can take the reins on this one. Um, You can give us a a rundown, however you feel you want to start it out, finish it, begin it, where you want to start in your life, um, to basically explain why you're on the show today with this topic at hand. Okay. Well, I think I'll start off just from, um, first, I want to say that everything I'm going to talk about mostly is personal experience. So doesn't mean that it always alcohol addiction or alcohol use disorder always looks the same. It doesn't. I'm not saying that getting, getting sober, getting clean, whichever always has to look the same way, the way I did it. Um, There's many, many ways to get sober and stay sober. So um, with that little um, disclaimer. I will kind of get into it. So I am now two years sober uh, from, thank you, from alcohol and drugs. So my story revolves basically around alcohol. There is drugs in my story as well. Um, But I know we're kind of just pertaining it to alcohol for right now for this conversation. So um, let's start from the beginning. You know, I started first time I got drunk I was 13 it was with some older kids you know it was kind of pretty basic had a couple beers got drunk got buzzed um and then kind of throughout high school 
I, um, you know, I drink at parties or, uh, you know, here and there, smoke pot, that kind of stuff. I would say at this point it was innocent. I can tell you that um, I, as, as we were, as I was preparing to have this conversation with you guys, I did a little bit of um, kind of uh, reflection on everything. And I would say that everything was pretty quote unquote normal with my use until I would say um, junior year of college. Um, I think at that point it was, it became apparent uh, not that anyone said anything, but my drinking just was different. You know, I was always the one to get really fucked up. You know, they're like, oh, Andrea's coming. She's going to get fucked up. Whereas it just seemed different than my friends, you know, the people I was hanging out with. So I would say that that's kind of when um, I noticed my drinking getting was it wasn't really the same as everybody else's. So then um through that time just continued to drink and party and everything like many you know average 20 something year olds and um yeah i had my i really had my first consequence from alcohol in a relationship and i had cheated on him and i was drunk in a blackout and um told him admitted it and everything and yeah and uh he he drank too I mean he drank just as hard as I did but yet again I was just a little bit a little bit better at it or whatever the fuck you know I was just a little tick above above him so then the focus was really on on my drinking and this was at I think I was 24 so that was a long time ago um and he actually brought me to my first AA meeting Or just he felt that you, I was me. I had the problem. Yeah. So went to the AA meeting and I went to get him off my back to be like, it's okay. You know, Oh, I cheated. So here's my punishment. Go to this meeting. Um, And then throughout probably the next six, six months to a year. I don't remember. It's a long time ago. You know, I wasn't drinking but I was, I was hiding it. So now really starting to show some actual true addict behaviors, you know, lying about use, hiding use. Um, So that's when I think the real true like addict came out. So anyway, I mean, did, did you, were you aware of like that you had like a a problem with your alcohol consumption or was that just like, because you were young, you're just like, well, everyone my age must be partying crazy like this. Good question. Um, that's a little hard to answer, honestly. I, because I think at the time I knew because I had some of these consequences happening. So I knew I had maybe a problem, but I basically suppressed it. So in any thought that would come up of this isn't normal, maybe this is an issue, I would suppress it. Because the anxiety of having to quit would go fucking through the roof. Like if someone said, you will, if you don't quit drinking, you will die. I'd have to weigh that. Like, you know what I mean? Most people be like, okay, I'll stop drinking. Yeah, that's I really seriously had to weigh that one because the anxiety of thinking that I'd never be able to drink again was, it was awful. And during this time that you were drinking and stuff like that, saying that, you know, you you know, 
you started partying, but you were partying a little bit harder. Was there things going on in your life that were triggering you to do such things? Or is it, you know, I know people might even ask, like, is it a genetic thing? Is it conditioning? Is it something that you grew up around and it was just based off of habits that you already saw around you, you know, to make you stand out a little bit more than your run-of-the-mill high school party, college girl, chick kind of vibe? Right. Um, So... And let's circle back to this because you talked about like the genetic thing. I want to talk about that in more, in more depth. Um, But uh, I'll talk about me, like my personal thing first, but when we um, move on to kind of the other portion of my schooling and stuff. Um, Okay. So for, no, there, there wasn't any event. Like it wasn't anything like there was an event. I, I had to do a lot of reflection on kind of how and why, I got to where I got to, and I actually had this conversation with a girlfriend yesterday who is also sober, and I was talking to her about it. So it's going to be a lot of detail, but so I, um, I was a child of divorce. I mean, like literally 55% of people are. Um, I had two completely separate households, like mom's house, dad's house. Both of those households were run completely different. The value systems were different. Punishment, discipline, food was different, like complete opposites. And I went between those two homes every two days. So from the time I was two years old until I was 14, I was a different person every two days, right? So that created that created a... Um, lack of sense of security and consistency in my life, right? And it also created a, I don't belong anywhere. Who am I, right? Like that kind of stuff. So that's at a young age, that's kind of what formed me. Then at a really crucial age, which 13, 12, 13, 14 is a very crucial age for children. I was introduced to alcohol. I took alcohol. All of a sudden, I felt cool. I felt like I belonged. It, it became a coping skill for me. So at that young age, I learned a coping skill, an unhealthy one, but I learned a, a skill that, that would take me for the next 20 some odd years. So then anytime I went in, out into a social situation, I knew that I could pull from my bag of tricks alcohol because I knew it would make me feel confident. I knew it would make me feel like I belonged. So that's kind of how it ramped up in college. Um, Was there anything externally going on? No, mine was all internal things that were happening at that time. Later on in my story, there were external things and, and, and certain experiences that ramped up my addiction. And that would have been in my thirties. That's when, um, I had a lot of a lot of tragic things happen in a very short amount of time. And I yet again, the only the only coping skill that I know is to drink and use. So I continued. That's what I did. And and in that and that's where I met you guys was basically in that that time period in my 30s, you know. For no one who could see, Andrea just did a vag curtsy is what I'm going to call it. <laughs> it, it was actually a, a, a vag thrust. I was thrust. thrusting. Oh, I couldn't see from the angle. 
So then I'm going to ask you, did your parents know, have any concept in hindsight, looking back now that you were the way you were, or were you just that really well at hiding it, even at 13? Because if you think about somebody at 13 and 14, like now with Maya, there's not much that can really slip by me. But then I don't know if that comes from having a lot of experience with that kind of stuff and knowing what to look for. And, you know, having parents that are, you know, I won't say naive, but just not having the know-how of where to look for, like eyes, glossiness, dilated smell, you know, all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. But for me, it's like, I feel if Maya were to start doing that now, I would know in a second. But you were obviously able to have this kind of life from such a young age up until now. It's twofold. It's it's naivete and it's denial. I mean, looking back, I think they... You know, they chalked it up to the first, you know, I got busted on a couple of things. I got busted for having pot seeds in my room and, you know, writing notes, she found a note about going to get drunk in high school. And, you know, I got, I got busted, but I think the, um, she was naive to the fact that it chalked it up to teenagers, right? This is what normal teenagers do. Yeah. So, I mean, on one hand, Obviously, I can't go back. I'm not going to go back and, you know, write a Yelp review on my mother's parenting. <laughs> no. Although, <laughs> that would be fun. If they have it. Yeah. Um, I would like that. Yeah. But I mean, I, you know, thankfully, you know, she wasn't because a lot of those are normal teenage things. Right. How is she yeah. to know that fast forward 20 years, I'd be, a, you know, a, you know, drunk. Uh, yeah, gutter yeah. drunk like she I mean how would she know we she didn't grow up in an alcoholic family my father didn't grow up in an alcoholic family my stepfather didn't grow up in an alcoholic family my stepmother didn't grow so my whole fit they don't have the understanding it's that that about alcoholism really right, right. I mean they know the concept of it on an intellectual level but how are you, you know, how do you know that someone's going to be an alcoholic? You can't determine that. So it's almost like a, it has to happen too late kind of thing for us to be like, Oh, I mean, obviously, yeah, but there are things you can do to help, you know, to help with that. And I mean, I guess we can get into the, so when you had brought up like about the external experiences and stuff like that, about why I was drinking, I asked because, like we talked about the other day, mine was external, and my mom was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. So my life—that's why I was wondering about yours—is because I would immediately think, well, anybody who drinks alcohol or has alcohol problems, majority of them come from a life of alcohol. Not you, obviously. So that's right. why I was wondering if right. it's you know external, genetic. Yeah. So that is actually, so there's different models for addiction and um, the model that is, is the most um, widely accepted is what's called biopsychosocial model. And that means, so biological, so that would have been your genetic factor, right? Um, psycho is your psychologic state. Like I was, you know, you, you, you're biological, right? So your mom has addiction issues or alcohol issues. Um, so there's that, um, me psychological, psychologically, I was a very anxious child. I mean, I'm sure if I had gone to a 
a therapist or a psychiatrist, they would have at that young age diagnosed me as anxiety disorder. Um, social. So how you're brought up that, I mean, your whole, that's that nature nurture. That's the nurture. You're how you are interpersonally. You know, if you're around a lot of people and, you know, a peer group that uses, and then I think that's it. Biopsychosocial. Yeah. So that's, that's the model of addiction that, that is most accepted. And I, I actually believe in um, not necessarily a straight up genetic model because um, there's so many other factors because you share genes with someone does not mean your choices are set in stone. Right. Which I, I would, I guess you could find an argument for that the whole entire time, you know, when it comes to that kind of stuff, simply because you said, put, I was raised by people who weren't around an alcoholic environment at the end. Right. But your disposition turned out the way that it did. Mm -hmm. So I guess then I would, so where do you find yourself now? Where are you mentally now with everything? You said you're two years sober. You know, how are you feeling now? You know, the struggles that I'm sure you still have, you know, yes, it's been two years, but I'm sure that doesn't mean that it's easy by any means, you know, you, you struggle with that coping mechanism, something bad happens, you immediately are like, well, I have to get alcohol, obviously, because that's where mm-hmm. I, and the problem with it is stuff's always going to happen. You know, like stuff will always happen in your life that it's out of your control, you know? So is it, a, is, does it get easier or has it gone easier with time? Is it something that is still, you know, a battle for you? You know, that kind of stuff. <clears throat> Oh, I just cleared my throat. Um, <laughs> Are we going to call this up for your throat part two? <laughs> <laughs> um, where I am today. So where I am today, I, I don't know. It's hard to say today because today, every day is different, right? I mean, I think yeah, everybody yeah. can kind of understand that. Um, no, I do. I have cravings every day. Is alcohol always on my mind? Do No. I mean, that's that's not where I live today. Um but I did have a recent, um, a recent, um, I don't know, setback, but something recently happened with this whole, you know, COVID furloughed. I don't have any money. How am I going to make my rent? Bullshit happened. And, um, yeah, my first thought was, I'm just, I'm just going to go circle K and I'm just going to get something to drink. And it was really weird because I don't, that doesn't happen. That hasn't happened in a really, really long time. And it was very interesting just to see that cycle, to see I'm having a tough time, right? Yeah. So let me grab my co- my my bag of coping skills, right? And yet that one's at the top, but that's that should be that's my bottom one. I haven't used it in so long, but that was still the one at the top. When I have a big bag of coping skills, I mean huge. I have, you know, I, I'm not a um, religious AA attendee. So I don't, I don't attend 12 step all the time. I don't have a sponsor, but I do, I do enjoy going to meetings and hearing speakers and and that kind of thing. Um, You know, so there's zoom meetings right now because you can't meet. So there's, there's one of my coping skills, you know, out of my bag of tools, meditation, um, exercise, prayer. I mean, these are all things, skills that I've built over the last two years, but yet the one at the top 
that I went that I wanted to go to first was drinking. So that's just because it's it's been so wired in my brain. And that has to do with a lot of, um, you know, neurobiology and, and, and that kind of stuff, which is, you know, um, pretty in depth, interesting, I can't say I'm an expert, but pretty interesting. So um, yeah, so anyways, that day wanted to, you know, go drink. And I, um, I thought it through, I really thought it through, I'll tell you what, because I said, okay, I'm gonna go get a drink, right? Well, I'm not going to drink just one. I'm going to have, I'm going to finish whatever it is, if it's a bottle or if it's a six pack or whatever, I'm going to finish the whole thing. Right. And then the next day I'm going to have the worst shame and guilt that I've had and experienced in over two years. Well, I don't know if anybody's experienced pretty intense shame, but it's something where you want to scrub your insides because you feel so uncomfortable. Um, so then I thought, okay, well, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll feel that shame and guilt. And then, and then what's the next day? Then, then I'll kind of ease a little bit and it'll get better. I'll start to feel better again. And then I'll forget all of that bad stuff and go, you know, eh, nothing terrible happened. Let me go grab another bottle of wine. Let me go. Yeah, it's fine. I'm just having a few. It's, it's really not an issue. And then after that, I mean, I'm off to the races and you're starting the habits all over again. What was once something innocent is now full throttle back to, you know, a life of addiction mm-hmm. that, you know, and, but like we talked about that guilt alone, you know, for most people, it's like, okay, I would feel such shame for that. But for you, there's other, you know, I'm sure there's other levels you have to hit internally to get past that because, like we talked about, yeah, you'll feel the guilt and the shame, but then a part of you would just be like, but nothing really happened. You know, I was in my house alone. Right. There wasn't any true consequence. What's the consequence, right? Did I crash a car? Did I get a DUI? Yeah. I succeeded, quote unquote, in drinking and making out of it. So I'm probably okay now. I'm good to go. I'm fine. I got a handle on this where, you know, in other circumstances, you know, it's kind of like, Uh, not a good comparison, but, you know, you cheat on someone, you have guilt and shame, you know, a person with good moral standards would be like, Mm -hmm. fuck, you know, I never want to live that again. And that's just it. They wouldn't sit there and go, yeah, but the sex was great. They'd be like, well, no, I could have just been with this person intimately who I am with the end, you know, but that's what takes, you know, that addiction to the next level is that you're finding a way past or out of that guilt or shame that makes sense to you. So you could, you know, possibly continue down that shitty road right and that's today and that's the same way though as you say with sex addiction i mean it's the same like exactly would, what you yeah. said i mean any time that you're going against your you know moral compass or your beliefs and that's what addiction is you're doing things that go against your beliefs and doing it anyways right so then i guess then we'll compare we had talked about comparing my story with you um because my form of drinking alcohol, um, I didn't learn until later in life, there was reasons for it. So I never saw, you know, so for me, like I mentioned earlier, um, I grew up in a lifestyle of partying. From the time I was like three or four, Palauans party ridiculously. So I would go to a party every weekend for two days in a row 
at three, four, five, six, seven years old, nonstop and not kidding from like 7 p.m. until six in the morning. And when you grow up in that lifestyle, it's just normal. That's just what we did. Yeah, as I got older, I was like, wow, this is tiring. I'm tired. I just want to sleep. But then there was my mom who was not tired. I mean, she's medio, medio dancing on a table. You know, they're watching the sunrise and she's just chalking up. And all I see is happiness. So nice. for me, alcohol is only trick. It's only it's just happiness. What, what, what's wrong? These are family. These are cousins. These are aunts, uncles. We're getting together. We're having a good time. You know, my mom was, she drank a lot. My mom is sober now and, you know, completely different woman. Mom, if you hear this, I do love you. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but um, the fact of the matter is she was always going out she was always drinking. And my, like you, my parents were divorced. Um, the difference is they had joint custody, but my dad saw me every other weekend. That mm -hmm. was joint custody back in the day. So he only got me every other weekend, but I guess more or less my mom had sole custody of me. Um, so you could imagine me getting raised by a person whose whole life was just drinking all the time. And when she would drink, even she would drink alone or she would drink with her boyfriend or she'd go to bars and there would be times where, you know, my friend Sarah and I would joke, the joke would be my mom's going to Walgreens. Like she was that mom who would then we wouldn't see her. We don't know where she would go. And at five years old, I was raising myself because I didn't have a mother to rely on. And my dad couldn't win custody of me because back then moms won. It was just fact, you know, and she did have a job and I did have a home. And my dad, you know, said he just didn't try hard enough. So <clears throat> I was always conditioned and raised around alcohol. In partner with that, I had a mom who didn't care about me 100%. I was felt to be a burden. You know, she never asked me how I felt. She never cared about my personal life or my social life. It was always just, are you doing well in school? And if I wasn't doing well in school that's when I would get an actual reaction out of her. My mom never hugged me. She never really told me she loved me. She was never kissy to me. And if she was, it's not in a memory that I have anymore. Mm -hmm. Whether it actually exists, I'm sure it does. I don't know it. I only see negative and that's what I remember. So what then turned into a mother who I didn't have, now you fast forward and I'm a teenager. So by 13, you know, she was full on smoking. I was starting to smoke. She had a lot of cigarettes. I could easily steal them. Then I was hanging out with guys that were like in high school. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm 13, 14, or I'm in eighth grade hanging out with seniors and mm -hmm. having Was a she aware of any of this or was she no, like, because she was already because disconnected. She was like doing her own stuff? Yeah. And, and of this, she was just, my mom was like, she's just, she was fully disconnected. And, now with the relationship that we have, it's sad for me to say it out loud, but the, the fact of the matter is I didn't have any respect for my mom. I never loved her like a mother. She was never a mother in my book. So she was so self-absorbed self that, no, literally we didn't, even if she did notice it when I was in high school, like she found marijuana at once on the ground. I was like, we just tracked her shoes in from outside. It was muddy. This is just grass from her shoes. And in her mind, she's like, oh, okay. 
So it wasn't ever enough for her to even care. She did catch me drinking and I did get in trouble, you know, like the same thing with you, Andrea. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I got in trouble for, you know, your common things, but it wasn't ever enough um, to make me stop. I also, yeah. So I just wanted to kind of backtrack a little bit about, um, you said something, um, you know, and this is, and, and, and first of all, like you said, this is your experience, meaning this is how you experienced that time. Right. So yeah, that's, that make, that makes it fact. Does that make sense? So yeah, I see your, so addiction, a self selfishness, self-absorbed, all of those things are hallmarks of addiction, right? Right. Because we wouldn't be able to continue using if we weren't, because if, if the care and the love we've had to suppress it in order to keep our disease healthy. Okay. Yeah. You know, so it her her not, you know, you know, ignoring any signs or whatever. She couldn't even think about you because right. she was so busy in her addiction. Yeah. So yeah, and that and that's true. Like why how could she if her only focus was, you know, the next time she was going to have fun, the next time she was going to go out, the next time she was going to party. You know, the only difference is I got older and then I'm basically in you know, parallel with her, I'm just generation back. I'm literally following in my mom's footsteps of Mm -hmm. a life of partying. So yeah, she tried to keep me out of it, but you know, I would just sneak out or, you know, and then the, and the other problem that goes with that is that I was a functioning person who Mm -hmm. abused drugs and alcohol because I did really well in school. You know, I graduated with endorsement. So I had more, you know, I had all A's. I was in accelerated AP classes. So on a surface, well, why would Bianca be struggling with anything? Because she's doing well in school. You know, she's doing everything she needs to do, like a normal human being who isn't partying. But it wasn't until I got older and I started drinking less and then I was no longer doing drugs and then I had Maya and my whole life had to switch you know it was like okay I have two choices I could continue on this road or I could do differently and I did start on that whole path of still going partying when I had Maya but then I remember my dad's whatever she is ex-wife or whatever wife she told my dad that I'm following my mom's footsteps and in the moment that I heard that it was the most hurtful thing anyone could have ever said, whether I was in denial or I didn't believe it, or I did believe it either way. I was like, no, that's not going to happen because I know what my mom put me through. Mm -hmm. I know what I felt. I know the neglect that I had. And, you know, they say it all the time, your kid needs structure and love, whether Mm -hmm. they push you away for a time. I needed it. And I, I wanted it. I yearned for it. And I only got it from my dad who was part-time there, less than part-time there for no fault of his own, you know? So I, you know, I wanted all that kind of stuff. So then I was like, I can't have that happen with Maya. So I changed my whole life. But then it's like, okay, now things are happening to me that stress me out, you know, whether it's heartbreak, struggles at work, not making enough money, struggling with Maya, and I'm doing it sober. So that's when everything started hitting me. I'd have panic attacks. You know, I was having really negative thoughts. And then that's when I saw a therapist, went to the doctor and they're like, hey, congratulations, you're depressed. Go (laughs) you, you know, they diagnosed me with depression and anxiety and they're like, have fun with that. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. This means the world to me. (laughs) Winner, winner. 
yeah, this is the best so, news I could have ever received. I thought this was going to be something different, but you guys really surpassed it. So then when I went and saw, you know, the therapist, which I never really talked to anybody about, but we did touch base on, you know, how I was raised with my mom and how mm-hmm. in hindsight, the way that I used alcohol was to mask how I truly felt about a lot of things, but I didn't see as addiction. It was just seen as, well, you just party a lot. Like, ew, you can handle your liquor, girl. But then Mm -hmm. it's like, now that I'm in a life where I'm sober and I don't have that, now I'm feeling all that stuff. And there'd be times when I'm like, man, you know, I always joke, like, I wish I was still drinking and doing drugs because at least I wouldn't have to deal with this feeling of depression or anxiety. I could just ignore it and until it just kind of tucks under the rug and we move on from it because eventually it'll pass and then I'll, you know, keep on plowing down with life. Mm -hmm. So you know, and that's where I'm at today. Now, yes, I still suffer from that kind of stuff, but I too have learned how to work down where my thoughts go way ridiculous. And, you know, and that's just where I'm at. But it's, it's almost like I did this when I was like, what, early, late twenties, when I finally figured this out, early thirties, you know, so a lot of that damage is already done, you know, and it's, It's just a hard, you know, a hard anything to kind of go through and, you know, remember like, this is where you came from. I can't forget about that, you know, because there's times where I'm like, Jesus, why am I still having problems, you know, just dealing with everyday life occurrences? Well, because I was raised from the time I was little in a certain way. So it's going to be hard for me to get out of that kind of like, you know, mind space if I ever fully do in some way, shape or form. Right. Uh, well, it wasn't modeled for you how to how to handle yeah. life. Anything. I mean, really, it's it's life. It's not like we have these very unique experiences. The human experience is very much the same, right? It just kind of expresses itself differently depending on the person and the culture. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I for whatever reason, I you know, I I missed life skills class when I yeah. was a kid. <laughs> I mean, I don't know when it was. I don't know where it was. Third was period of sophomore year. Was it after lunch, senior yeah. year? Like, <laughs> so I ditched it to go to the desert and get high, I think. My mom is a different woman. She loves the Lord. She is sober. She's been sober for quite some time. Um, she's a, a really strong, wonderful woman now. Um, and I think forgiving her and moving past everything has really helped me. Yeah. Um in that sense. I just want to let you guys know, like, don't go like, you know, looking at my mom on Instagram and, you know, like Jesus Christ, like that's not your fucking business. Yeah. I'll, I'll destroy you. <laughs> well, Jesus, Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ for your mom. <laughs> yes, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, mom, what a woman. <laughs> so yeah, but that was my, and like I said, I didn't even to this until I saw a therapist, I never saw it as like, like you told us a coping mechanism. You know, I just, it was, I was in pure denial. You know, it it was just a fact. I didn't have a loving mom. I didn't have a mom who supported me. She didn't raise me really well. And that was just, to me, it was like, that was just the hand I was dealt, you know? And I looked at other kids that had great families and I didn't even have like hate for it. I was just like, well, you're just lucky. You had that family life and you guys are secure. I'm just not. I just have to learn how to live with what I was given and make the best of it. So I'm going to drink 
gallons upon gallons of liquor every single day and then mix those with a thousand drugs and then if i survive i'll probably do it the next day kind of thing you know mm-hmm. but and it's sad you know it's a, a shitty thing but that's just for some people that's life and i even tell people now like yeah that was me and they're like there's no way i'm like right i know there's, there's no way <laughs> Because I fucking wouldn't make it now. <laughs> yeah, you tell me the stuff no. you did in high school, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, I would be dead. <laughs> yeah, that's... And you're I like, no, I should be dead. <laughs> Every time, I'm like, what the fuck? How am I alive? It's waking up the next morning going, oh. Yeah. Okay. That didn't like, kill me. Wow. Let's try yeah. again. Uh, and I did just want to point out, we had talked about earlier on how um, addiction and... Um, uh, drug misuse and alcohol misuse is a it's a it's a scale you know what I mean it's not yeah. like you are or you aren't there's a lot of gray area in the middle and to actually be you know diagnosed as a substance use disorder there's like very specific markers you have to hit um like I've actually been diagnosed as substance use disorder and um but the difference is is in a 12-step like AA fellowship no one can tell you you're an alcoholic except yourself. So there's a lot of amb- ambiguity around the whole idea of who's an addict and who's not. So, I mean, just from listening to your story, it sounds like you had uh, al- alcohol and drug misuse more so yeah. than um, than an actual disorder because of how you've been able to... Um, stay away from alcohol it's it hasn't it's not an obsession it's not an obsession as it as it is in um addicts like myself you know you you used it as that coping skill for that time being it stopped working for you and you stopped doing it um took a lot more for me to get where i'm at so yeah just wanted to put that out there and that's you said that's part of the gray scale or just yeah because i mean you can do you can you, you can misuse alcohol. That means, okay, let's talk about alcohol. So people drink alcohol because they want to have a nice wine with their dinner, right? And they have yeah. a glass. That is a healthy relationship to alcohol. Um, you have the, you know, the college kids who want to go out and get shit-faced. Like, that is the goal. Like, I'm getting drunk. And uh, that's alcohol misuse. And, and they, they might not have those cravings and need for it every day, right? Um, and then you have someone who has an actual um, true addiction, which is you have an obsession of the mind and a craving of the body for the substance. Do you, would you still consider like alcoholic misuse as, as a problem as much as addiction? Or is it something that you just kind of look at it as like, well, like, like just saying like, okay, Maya gets older, you know, and she starts drinking and she's having fun. Okay. Well, I, I recognize that she's not just having it as like a fun, you know, healthy way. She's having it in a misuse way. Is there a point where I would need to step in and fear or worry, I guess, or question that she's misusing it in the way I did, that it's actual problem? Or do I still just chalk it up to, She's a young person. She's fun. As long as she's not considered addicted, then we're okay with letting her misuse it. Does that make sense? No. no yeah, it makes sense. But I would say, no, you, you need to know why. Why is someone drinking to excess to get drunk? Why? I mean, really, figure that out. Is it is it because society or peer pressure? Um, 
And so here's another way to look at it. And I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm like anti-alcohol and, you know, no one should drink. I, I don't feel that way. There's a, you know, a lot of people in society that have a problem. Not everybody does. Um, but let's think about, let's think about a heroin. I just use it once in a while. Would that be acceptable? Do you know no, what I mean? Uh, oh, yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not I'm gonna gonna to do it. it. <laughs> I just did it a couple times. I'm like, oh my God, then no, girl, yeah. you're cool. Okay. I right. So, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, alcohol is, is part of our society and culture and has been for thousands and thousands of years. Um, and it just is ingrained in our society. So we view it differently, you know, like going out and, I mean, there's bars. You mean, you don't have, you know, opium dens anymore. Wow. Like, so if like, there was, I would have been there. I know, as soon as it was coming out of my mouth, I'm like, fuck, that would have been fun. Yeah, that's yeah. what I would I was like, I definitely would have tried it. I'm sure I would have met you there. But I'm like, hey, Andrea. <laughs> like, that's, uh, I'm not going to deny that stupid shit. But yeah, that's what I'm yeah, saying I, is like, college guys yeah. who get drunk, are they misusing it because they're just having fun and living that life? Or... Well, I would say there, I mean, you know, yet again, this is, that's their experience. I can't really speak to that, but um, why do they need to not, not be themselves and connect okay. to truly who they are in a sober, in a sober fashion and it's over, like, what is it? And, and almost always it's because everybody else is doing it, which means what I don't belong. I need to fit in. And that means there's something internally that you're trying to work through or mask. It is important to keep children away from alcohol as long as possible. Children and um, ad young adults, your prefrontal cortex does not fully form until about 25, a little bit longer for men than women. So your prefrontal cortex is your impulse control. So if you interrupt that forming, you go do some dumb shit. Oh, which is all we did. That's all right. 19, 18, 16, let's say 16 to 25 year olds do. It's just dumb shit. Right. And that's when you can really form that pattern of addiction is if you start. So the longer you can keep your kids away from, from alcohol, so that just from the fact to let their brains form and not create any of these neural the pathways that become addiction is, is for the better. It really is. Um, also, you know, as a, um, when you start using, this is what they say, they say it a lot in, in, uh, in 12 step too. When you, the, the age you start using is the age you stop growing emotionally. So your emotional intelligence, my emotional intelligence was of a 13 year old, which makes sense. I didn't know how to handle anything. And I had to learn all of those skills. So, um, yeah, so the, so the age you start using drugs and alcohol is the age you stay at emotionally, which makes interpersonal relationships very difficult. Is that when you start using alcohol just in general or if you start using alcohol to excess? Um, in general, but if you continue that pattern of it. Like if you if you got drunk once when you were fourteen and then you don't didn't really drink until you were sixteen again or it wasn't like a, a specific pattern and then you continued on, then yes. But obviously there can be interruptions in that pattern for people. Right. 
you know. Like, but I, I don't think like that is super like that is super necessary because in high school, like I drink, like I don't have um, experiences like you guys have. But my, I think it also plays in part because my parents, like my dad especially, would show me what alcohol could do if you drank in excess. Because like my my family drinks alcohol all the time, and they would be apparently drunk, and my dad would just like we would leave the party, and my dad to like see like this is what alcohol does to you. Like he wouldn't do it in a way like if you drink alcohol, like I'm gonna like kick your ass or something. He would just like provide me with the facts of like this is what alcohol could do. So I think that's why I stayed away from alcohol until like. 17 or 18 and I don't think I got drunk until like 18 years old because I just like had that thought that I don't want to not be in control of myself and not be able to like I don't want to stand up and then like tip over like I want to be in control even to this day I don't like drinking to getting drunk I just drink to get like a slight buzz because I don't like feeling completely not in control of anything that I'm doing it like gives me like if I start drinking too much and I feel like I'm gonna get drunk then I like have like a mini like anxiety attacks I'm like okay like I have to prepare that I'm not gonna be able to control entirely everything that I'm doing so I really need to like really need to like center myself for what's going to come which is the same relationship I have to drugs I'm like deathly afraid of doing anything aside from marijuana which I don't even do anymore because of the aspect of not being in control of when I'm using it and which gives me anxiety so Mm -hmm. like go ahead sorry no, I just wanted to point out that you had, you know, the age difference. You had an extra five, six years for that, for your brain to form before you actually even started drinking. Yeah, And like so my parents right didn't there. drink. I think my the right. youngest memory I have is maybe my mom used to drink wine coolers, but I want to say that stopped when I was like Get six it, or burn. seven. Like she doesn't, Bartle she didn't things. drink wine coolers after that. And I think we went camping one time. And someone had wine coolers and I asked like my parents if I could have a taste and my mom like, let me have a small taste. But, and like I said, but that was, I was probably like 17 when that happened. Like they just kept it so distant from me. And I think what also helped is just it not being in our house at all, which Mm -hmm. made me uh, more honest with them. So like I would tell them in high school, like I'm going to a party, I'm going to drink, I'm going to stay the night at that house, which I think um, them being open, like how you are with Maya, I think that'll help her be, open and honest with you about decisions that she makes later on in life because I think the way that my parents were with me allowed me to be open and honest with them so I didn't and have she to hide already, yeah me. she already has like a negative um opinion towards like smoking cigarettes you know you always want to talk about the one that has this in their throat oh, <laughs> God. I'm like I've never met I need to though yeah so um, Gerard, did you say so what is your relationship to alcohol now well, because I've been in quarantine, I've probably been drinking way more than I should be. But even I probably I would say I maybe have like on a like a regular like day, I probably have like maybe like one drink a week, if that. Like on a Friday or a Saturday after the week I would have like a drink. But I'll never even to this day, like if I get drunk and like I'm throwing up and I feel gross the next day, I feel ashamed embarrassed of how like people saw me so i'm Mm -hmm. like and i hate getting to that point so even like i i hate drinking to get drunk it's i just and it doesn't even help when other people are the same drunk as you right you don't think about their personal like we've been to bars before where all of us are three sheets to the wind right but the next morning you're not thinking oh you know jeff janice Bob and Susan were all with me there. You're thinking, no, I let myself get there. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what's sad and shameful. 
is like, I should have had better control of my decisions, regardless of the seven people that I saw who were also tipping over or throwing up, you know, in the back. But it comes with like, especially like maybe like after college, it comes with like, I don't, I shouldn't say pros and cons, but then it's like, all your friends are this drunk and you want to be with them, but then you also don't want to feel like how they're going to feel the next day. But then you're like, then you have to become a babysitter if you're not at the same level as them. Not that I need to, or that I should, but then you just like feel this responsibility to like be at least one person in control of what's going on. Yeah. Or we balance, uh, you know, I'm just going to have one or two drinks while you guys you get shit faced. Yeah. And then we'll all have equal amounts of fun. But that's that in itself though is, is a, that is a deterrent too. Cause I used to like, I'd go to parties um, after I had Maya, but I wouldn't drink and I would just stare at everybody. And it was like, and then you really see like, it. this is how I act yeah. when I drink yeah. as much as them. And like, do I want to really like, it do, really I wanna, do I want people to see me like how I'm seeing these That's people? That's what like, I need to do to Maya. They all look like idiots. That's yeah. all I need to do to Maya. I need to take them to a full-fledged party. There were everyone's just a complete clown making horrible mistakes where it smells like throw up. Like I should take her to Rocky Point because that, yeah. I remember, was just like Bleh. But, but the idea of it is fun. But if you see not at okay. everybody else's level, it's ugly yeah, and embarrassing. It ain't cute. Like you you cute getting your Long Island iced teas or whatever the kids fucking drink nowadays. Yeah, yeah, you think you're cute in like your little bikini with like your long margarita, but in real life, like your tits hanging out, your eyes like one's open, one's closed. Your mascara is all down your face. You're slurring your words. Fucking cute, yeah. <laughs> there is a part of me though that wishes I had those like crazy college experiences because I didn't. But like, which is like not a good thing to want. But like, you see, like my friends, like my best friends, Alyssa and Barb, like they had those crazy college experiences, and I didn't get to experience those. And like, a part of me like feels like I missed out on like the social aspect of. Yeah, like going down. Stereotypical social aspect of what it means to be young because we have an image. Like you go out, you get shit faced, you hook up with random people, and then that's just like what you do in college. And like a part of me wishes I did that, but then I'm like, why do I feel that way? Like that was it fun for? It didn't turn out like they like they story because you want a story. I mean, that's what it sounds like. You just want a story. I mean, it's not worth just for a story. And eventually, those stories. Yeah, those stories. Yeah, the big picture. You didn't miss anything, truly. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you, you're just you're great as you are now, and who knows how you would have been, you know, had you chosen that kind of life. Mm-hmm. I, you could have I, an STD. I could be dead. You could be dead. But in that, that I just want to comment, Bird <clears throat> shows. So hearing your history with you know alcohol and partying and stuff, it really shows me um, why you're so mature. You didn't do those. You're, I mean, for your age, when I met you, you were how old? So six years ago. 12. A, 20, 19, 20. Jesus. Did you yeah, just say 2018? You were more mature than I was. And I was 35. That's true, though. It, it like, it does make a big difference. Going back to what you said, though, your develop, your emotional yeah. <clears throat> intelligence. Yeah, so... I mean, yeah, you were, you had your shit together at that young age, whereas this 35 year old mess of a woman, you know, was the opposite. So, so, um, 
Oh, you know what we do need to touch up on? I do have to pee. I have to do this every every episode. Can we take a pee break then? Yeah, I can stop it and then start recording again. It's recording, everyone. In five, four, three. (laughs) Okay, so we've talked addiction. We've talked substance abuse. And we've talked Gerard's blessed life. Now insert, that we, insert eye roll here. Yeah, now that we have all three levels of what life can throw at you, um, <laughs> hand toss, whatever. Um, when we talk, I talked to Andrea a couple days ago because you and I had discussed a big part of this is um, the relationships and the emotions that people have in your life when you have an addiction of some sort. Um, not a lot of people you know, people are, you know, have people like that. And there's some people that go through life that don't ever have to experience it. Um, so I did give Andrea a heads up that today, I think it'd be good if we did talk about um, our side of it, unless you want to start it off, Gerard. <laughs> <laughs> it's just hard because you, like, you would call Bianca and or I, and we could obviously tell that you had been drinking, but like, we didn't know like how to go about like I wouldn't say like helping you but it's just like how do we how do we be of any support beyond what we're already doing just like taking in like you calling us when you had been drinking like we I would just call like Andrea's like drinking again and you like you would say the same thing in the stories over and over and I would just like call Bianca or she would call me afterwards like hey you might get a call from Andrea she's drinking but like we we wanted to help in some way, but we didn't know how to be of support or help other than just like being there when you were drinking to just like unload whatever you had to unload. And like the biggest thing is um, when, when you would come to us during those times that you were having, it was, you know, we're going through the motions of, you know, and I'm going to be real with you. So I, I was saying this out of love. You're, you're, you know, you're sober now, but I also think that, you know, maybe you hearing this about, how we felt might give you some sort of, you know, you can hold on to that for mm-hmm. future, but it's there, there was a point where I didn't want to, I didn't want you in my life anymore at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, we talk about, you know, we're having this life and we're succeeding and we're happy, you know, and it, it was true. Like you would call and it, I would text Gerard and be like, you know, she's drinking again, you know, you had that elevated sense of happiness, but your stories, we could tell, you know, you could hear slight slurs, but then you would be repeating stuff, um, you know, and it's just like, it, it was, it was hard and it hurt and it was sad and there was disappointment. Um, but at the same time, it's like, how do we help you? Because at the end of the day, there's only so much that we could do for you as a friend you know, yeah, we could listen to you talk. Um, I remember when you told me all about Vegas, I, that was the first time that I don't want to say that I feared you, but I guess I just, I literally was so, I was so put off by your, you know, what happened and that whole entire thing. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, like, it's like, I wanted to be there for you, but I didn't understand, you know, like I'm not experiencing that addiction that you have. You know, so for me, it's like a part of you goes, could you just stop? You know, could you stop being self-destructive? Because 
-hmm. it hurts us to see you like this and I can't normalize it for you. And I can't, we can't justify it. Right. We can't do this for you, but it's like, we would, it would be like, at least on my end, and I won't speak for Gerard, but I would get so mad at you that I was like, I don't understand why you can't see what you're doing to yourself and that we love you as a person and we're here for you. You keep falling back into this pattern of doing this stuff, which I know, you know, again, it's, we understand it's an addiction, right? right? It's a, it's a sickness. It doesn't involve what happens though. And and your experience with it either. I remember, um, on your birthday, that was a big one for me too. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, and I remember, uh, sorry, but I, I did tell Zach about it, you know, like like, there's no judgment or anything but it's like who do I you know at the end of the day who do I talk to but I remember telling him like I went out and I went shopping and I got you know I spent money on this great outfit and I was super excited and like this is my thought process after is like I don't ever get to go out and I was happy that you invited me out to do dinner and it's like we're meeting you know I met your parents and we're at this nice place and then all of a sudden Oh my God, I've never wanted to crawl out of my skin. So when it, the night ended and I just told Zach, like, I'm, I wish that night never happened. Mm-hmm. You know, like it wasn't fun for me. I said, you know, it, it was, it was, I had an idea in my head and it turned into something different. I said, I don't even know what she's going to be doing now, you know? And so that's where I was kind of like, okay, I need to distance myself from her now because I can't handle it anymore. Like, either you need to really hit rock bottom on your own, whatever. But you know, it's like you come into those points in your life with people that are addicts and it's like, you hate to see it, but like, and I'm, I know parents have to make that decision too, where they're like, you know what? I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you, you give up and it's like you, all I could feel is like, I'm failing you as a friend. But then at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but you're failing me as a friend too. You're letting well, me down. It comes down to, well, first of all, I, 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 don't even know how to apologize for that because that's terrible and it was awful. But it comes to a point where with when you're in a relationship or have a relationship with someone who is an addict, it's self-preservation. You have to take care of yourself. And the person that I was was not a good person. Neither is that person. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it comes to, yeah, you have to protect yourself. I mean, and really who, who can't, I mean, you can't do for someone who will, who refuses to do for themselves. Yeah. And, you know, and it's a horrible thing to have to watch someone you care about perpetuate this cycle, you know, but, but really what can you do if that person doesn't, doesn't want to change or doesn't. To, and then it, it'd be times where if you would call. I wouldn't want to answer the phone. I'd hesitate to, or I'd be like, I'm busy right now because I wasn't sure where we were at and I didn't want to hear another thing. And I don't know when it like, I can't say, I know actually, yeah. Remember when she came over to my house that one time after you were sober, you came over, remember? You're wearing a tank, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember she went over for dinner. You made dinner. I yeah, didn't. That, I remember you, you telling me there, about that. But I told you about it, and that was the first time that I remember thinking, "I think she's changed. I think we can finally safely bring her back into our life, knowing that most of this chaos and you know is slowly on its way out." 
Right. But it's 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 sad to like you said, it's sad to feel the way I felt about you without beating ourselves up. And then you get to that point where like, OK, well, I got to stop blaming myself and putting myself down and saying that I'm letting you down when I'm mad at you, because like I told you earlier, you're letting me down. You know, you're mm -hmm. you know, it's like but I can't say fucking snap out of it. Like, that's not realistic, you know, because we right. understood your situation. Right. So that's, you know, that's a part of, you know, where we were out in the relationship, which, you know, I'm so happy and so proud beyond words with where you're at now. Yeah. You know, because we still have that fun loving, like, you're still the good part about it is like, you're still the same person that you were through and through without yeah. alcohol, like you're not a different person. And that's what makes it. um. I hope for you makes it worth staying sober is that you're not a different person. Like you're still really happy and you're still fun loving and you have a great personality, you know, and I wouldn't change you for the world, but I'm glad that you're still that person without alcohol. You know, you are still a positive person around us. So it's, like I said, I'm deeply happy on every level that you've made it to two years. I was mm -hmm. happy that you made it to a week, a month, and I'm, you know, and I'm glad to be in your life still, um, you know, as a friend and to, you know, to hear you have an apartment on your own, to hear you go through these, you know, these life struggles and you're combating that without alcoholism or falling back into that is just, it's really rewarding because there's still a part of me when this stuff happens that I'm like, we could lose her again. Yeah. And where are like we going to be at? Holding your breath. Like what's. Yeah. What's the fallout going to be? Yeah, no, but when you said that I'm still the person or whatever, I mean, honestly, what I feel like is I'm more the person probably. today. That what because that person, the 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 core of who I am and your soul or whatever you want to believe in and personality or whatever, um, is still there, but it's being expressed differently because you're going through struggles. You're using using um you know, drugs to alter your brain chemistry, all those things. And without having that, my soul's expression is much truer. So um, it's good to hear for, I mean, I'm just so thankful and grateful that you guys were able to stick through that. Because um, I know you lost, dude, I never remember her name. Oh, Hannah. Oh, that was a whole fucking, yeah. Yeah. No, and I, I remember yeah, I lost, I mean, I, I'm sure people, but my core people, the people who I have a, a true deep connection with, thankfully have all stayed, you know, right. they leave like same with you. I mean, they, there's a point where they just can't pick up the phone anymore or they distance yeah. themselves. But once I was able to connect, reconnect with myself, they came back. You know, so I'm so grateful because there's so many people out there that literally lose everybody. And I don't want, I mean, I just, I hope you didn't think we were like, you know, I guess like abandoning you or turning our backs on you, no, you know, no. and I know that's what we thought, but it's like, at the same time, it was, we didn't really have any other choice, right? What, where do we totally. put ourselves at today? Totally. And I at that time, I, I mean, I was so in my addiction that you weren't even an equation. Like, you do you know what I mean? Like I yeah. wasn't thinking about anything about your experience. So I had no clue nor care. It seemed like 
I didn't even notice at the time that you were distancing yourself. Right. And that's, it's another thing is like, you know, I, it's, did you even notice? Will she even care? Does she even care? You know, like, are we even yep. her friends? You know, cause then, you know, it'd be like, we would talk to you and you would talk about yourself and then we'd be done talking, you know? And yeah. it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's, okay. that, yeah. It's you know, so I was like, yeah. And I was just like, okay, well, you know, I guess we'll hear from you next time, you know, whenever that might be. And, you know, but like I said, and that's, it's like, and that's one of those things, like, you know, when I moved here, you know, you, you were on your way back, you know, to the light, for lack of yeah, a better word, seriously, you know, yeah, and it's no. like, ah, you know, now I'm going to miss out on great opportunities of being with you as a friend because yeah, I'm leaving. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but like I said, I'm, I'm super happy. Um, you know, I loved you as much as I do today. Then I just, you know, it was tough, you know, and we I just, again, I can't speak for Gerard, but I just didn't like you at points where I was just like, I can't. And like I said, there was just pivotal moments that were too big for me to let go that, you know, I've been around people that have, you know, problems or I'm like, it's, you know, it's out of my hands now. Now I have to just say, I'm sorry. You got to figure this shit out on your own. I can't hear you self-destruct anymore. I can't, I can't pretend that I don't care. I can't pretend to humor the situation anymore. You know, I just have to hope that, you know, when you resurface, it's a, a better version of you, you know, which you did. <laughs> like, hello, hello, hello. A bitch is real. <laughs> it was harder for me to, like, completely disconnect, I think, because I, you guys were closer in a different way that her and I were closer because I worked every, every day with her. So it was, like, hard yeah. for me to completely disconnect because I was, like, how do, you were there yeah like i was to be with what me you're supposed to, yeah. what you're supposed to do yeah. like i can't talk to you right now boss i mean and to your point like like i was a sounding board at work and i was also a sounding board outside of work and not that it was uh not that it was um a burden because i just naturally love like hearing people like unload their baggage onto me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. You really do. Which really worked out well for me. I hired well. <laughs> and like I don't I just like I like listening to people and just like giving advice. Like it's like what I love to do. So I didn't mind it, but it was hard to completely just like wipe my hands clean of it because I was just so involved, but not involved. Like I wasn't involved in the process, but I was involved like in the aftermath aftermath every day I'd show up hung over and the hard part too is we all were so but buddy close at work that mm -hmm. we also had to we had a struggle with everyone asking gerard and i what's going on with you mm -hmm. everyone wanted to know and, and i would just say i don't know and that was it yeah and it was just like everyone would know something's going on with on with you or you looked off or they'd be like yeah andrea came in today she looked a little questionable bianca do you know what's going on with her? You know, and it's like, yes, but we're just like, no, you know, like I have no idea, you know, and it's like a constant reminder, you know, that we, you know, something's going on. We can't say anything. We should say anything. You know, it's not their business. You know, there, there's no, there was no sense of like privacy in our life. I put you, I put you both in a very, very difficult situation because of my addiction and we, it's like we're not going to throw you under the bus because 
you were in a good position. You know, you had a you had a life here. You had a job that paid well. You know, so saying anything could hurt you in the end. So it's mm-hmm. like that, you know, that internal battle with us. It's like, yeah. God, yes, she needs help. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to say anything because I don't know right. where that will take her. And I can't be the reason for your demise in that sense. But yeah, I remember, Gerard, you, could, you couldn't even if you wanted to. Because I'd but, be like, well, I don't have to talk to her. And you're like, well, I do tomorrow. And going back to your point earlier about like her, you, her telling you about the pills and you like laughing about it. I think that also adds not an issue but it creates like this it like normalizes her being able to tell us this stuff and it creates this space where like she could come to us and she could tell us these stories knowing that we're not going to judge her we're just going to laugh about it but really we talked about that but really you and I like felt a certain way about it but because we would just like joke along with her about it she probably felt like oh I can come Mm -hmm. to and tell them these stories I know it's like I can just tell them and laugh about it and not receive like any repercussions from my actions yeah no it was me it was me yeah, me telling on myself to unburden myself, right? Because I had, I mean, people have to do that. Yeah. And it would make me, it helped me by being able to unburden, helped in some way ease some of the shame. Right. So in that way, it was helpful, you know? I don't know. You were still talking about it. You were still saying it. You know, you had that right. internal guilt, you know, telling anybody anything that was weighing on you when she said out loud is just like, <sighs> like, right. thank God. And not right. by no means does it really fix it, but yeah, you know, and then to Gerard's point, but we're sitting there going like, <laughs> right. and I didn't have any idea. Like that you're yeah. on the inside. You're like, Oh, this is fucked. Yeah. You know I'm like I mean? texting Gerard. Like, did you talk to Andrea? Bad news. Not good today. You know, whatever it mm-hmm. is. A lesser of two on. evils kind of thing yeah, because you, yeah. you can't love someone out of addiction and you can't shame someone out of addiction. Right. There's really no way to go about it. And that's. And that was like, who am I as a 20 year old to tell someone who's 34 like what yeah, they need to do with their lives? Like, bitch, get it. Well, you know, the, 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 the fucked up part is you actually did because you knew more than the 34 year old who was drinking herself today. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> So yeah, there. That's that's basically how we are. But like I said, I'm I'm glad that we're still a trio of you know happiness. Oh yeah, <clears throat> seriously. I mean, I you know listening to all this is very very eye opening for me because obviously I was experiencing those that time through my lens, my fucked up, blurry, you know, drunken lens. Um. So hearing the reality or your realities of the situation um, hurts. I will say, I'll be honest. I mean, it hurt. It hurts, and 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 I am embarrassed and um, sad, sad because um, you guys were such good friends to me during that whole time, and the fact that um, I wasn't able to give back any of the any of the love or the care or any of it because I was sick at the time you know I I feel sad that I wasn't able to reciprocate what you guys were giving me at the time so um yeah it's it's not fun to hear what a fucking loser (laughs) positive is uh a girl is uh this queen is reigning right now so yes like it's not even yeah it's that's yeah. a past. I mean, we're happy to say today it's completely different, you know? Right. And that's the good part of it. 
and at least we're literally in all three different states, bitches. I know. Literally. <laughs> so weird. Like, how the fuck? <laughs> we all started out in the same company, literally. literally, and now we're in three different states. So I'm really thankful that you guys um, stuck with it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Decided yeah. to continue to be my friend. And um, yeah, I'm just grateful. I just love you guys. Said, you do it again, bitch. I'll turn my back on you. Oh my god! <laughs> well, I have I'm, been warned. I have I'm like, been yeah. Warned. I'm like, yeah. Just done. Yeah. Don't even. <laughs> if you're going because B becomes comes before J, just skip me and go to his number. Is <laughs> 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 Amy? Yeah. Nope, she doesn't want to. <laughs> um. But speaking of being in the same company, can we just talk about how anytime either of two of us two work together, people be like, "Oh God, Andrew and Bianca coming tomorrow." Oh God, Bianca and Gerard are coming tomorrow. Oh God, Andrew and Gerard are coming tomorrow. But if it was like all three of us, Andrew, Bianca, and Gerard are going to be here tomorrow. They just couldn't handle. I mean, because you know what happens is the entire rest of the world disappears. It's just when you when you find someone who you connect with, like like the way that we do. Literally, no one else is there, and but they are, and they're just standing there in disgust, staring at us. <laughs> at all the happiness, I mean, we would literally emit this positive light all around us, and it would just be like I would be there first, you would show up, Andrea would have her Starbucks in her hand, her venti drink with her her leggings and her, her hair leggings. Um, and her crop top and her big ass purse. And she's like, fucking ready. And I'm like, oh my God, you do. Like, oh my God. I, I miss that. That's Yeah. That was, that's the stuff that I loved is that Rob would be so hesitant to invite any of you over to help. I'd be like, you know, who would really help out with this right now? No. No, I no. fucking do. Yes, I, I get it. They're very talented. They are hard workers, but not gonna. It's not happening. Or I'm like, I could go and help Andrea Gerard for the day. You don't need like, to. Actually, no. 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 I'm like, but you said earlier, I don't fucking care what I said earlier. <laughs> it's true, though. When we're And we always, what, like, all you have to do is let us work together. But even then, we knew it just wasn't a good idea. We would the, eh, the work oh. would get done, but you would hear us at the back of the store from the time you entered the store. The work would get done. It would just be loud as hell the whole time. And for no reason. You just hear us cackling. <laughs> good times. <clears throat> um. So with that being said, do we have any closing thoughts? Anything? Because obviously, you guys, I got to go eat. I haven't eaten. Yeah, I'm so hungry. No, I just want to say my closing thought is um, that this was a great experience. Like, uh, like on a on every certain every level to be able to um, share my story, which I don't often I don't get a chance to do. Um, hear your guys's experiences with you know that time of my life and um hang out with you guys so it was great yeah thank you for coming thank you for being an open book i mean you've always been pretty good about being honest so that's never you know but you know for past listeners and you know you who listens you know we want to be able to give 
listeners, you know, experiences, different life occurrences um, to just kind of normalize in a sense, you know, what you're going through, you know, you shared a certain experience of, you know, your relationship to alcohol. I shared my own relationship and Gerard shared his relationship, you know, so anyone listening can kind of just go through the motions of like, yeah, I, I can relate or I can't relate, but oh my gosh, I can now look for signs of what it is and have you having that kind of education is what we really like also coming on the show, you know, and having those, those facts for us, you know, when we are sharing it to it. So thank you for being our first official guest. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're done with guests. It can't compare. Yeah, no, no more. One and only. I know we said we're going to have more, but fuck y'all. We're done. We lied. <laughs> that was just a joke. <laughs> or everyone's going to hear this and be like, we can't compete. Like, we're not going to be able to. The closeness is too deep and too real. Why would we be on this show? <laughs> Um, yeah, like, again, you know, it's, it's a very serious thing. And we like that everyone's open on here. Um, you know, it's, again, it's our experience. It's our truth. You experience your life in a completely different way, you know, so, or anybody around you. So don't sit there and just focus, you know, micro focus on our exact stuff, because we all have, you know, different things and stuff that happens in life. But Either way, this was a fun one. Wow. It was heavy. Yeah. I mean, we like those heavy hitters. So I think next I, episode, <laughs> just I love, I love an emotional toll. <laughs> <laughs> like if every episode could be this heavy, I'd love it. And I'm not, and I'm being a hundred percent true here. And Zach was like, Can you guys not have are you gonna have another heavy hitter? Because I need to get ready for it. <laughs> like yeah now every we are. episode baby yep that's how it's gonna be i think that's it i just want to say there's an outfit of andrea's that needs to be like enshrined that she would wear to work <laughs> she used to wear this fucking <laughs> betty boop skirt to work <laughs> you wear this betty boop skirt to work on top of leggings with a crop top to work and like something it'd be like uggs or something would be her outfit and she'd be on like a ladder hanging some shit from the ceiling meanwhile all the other managers are wearing like slacks Jeans, and like slacks, <laughs> black a top. nice blouse and she's like did not give any fuck at all uh, it was the best i do want to say that has not changed even in society <laughs> staying true oh that's great um, thanks for listening to our podcast. Remember to follow us on Instagram at bicoastalpod, all one word. Um, you can follow our personal accounts at not your cup of B, N O T Y O U R C U P O F B E E. And mine is at JDL at J A E dot D E dot E L L. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, comment, share. Uh, share share um, god damn feel free it. to buy a billboard and put our picture on it that'd be great just anything um like how can you say you like it and then just keep that to yourself you i'm sorry i need to do that although you did <laughs> did you like your picture that did you like my little that i set up yeah. of you <laughs> it was my first story i've never done a story on instagram really wow, wow. Good. Congratulations. Popped your story, Cherry. Did you yeah. want to share your handle or do you like me yeah. not care? Please no, do. 
if anybody, God forbid, knows why, but wants to follow me, I, my uh, Instagram is myandy24, M-Y-A-N-D-I-2-4. I was meant to ask, what does that mean? So it's a story like everything else that has to do with me. Um, when... <laughs> I was, when I was little, my dad's license plate, he had a personalized license plate that was my Andy. So from the time I was, I don't know how little till probably almost an adult, his license plate was my Andy. So that's why it's always just been my email address, my whatever. I yeah. love for you. And then I actually, I got my stepmom um, sold her house, my dad's house that we'd been in for 35 years. And she found the license plates. Oh, on the old Arizona red. Yeah, so two, two of the licenses. Oh, yeah, Dang. yeah. So oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I've always meant to ask you that. Mm-hmm. So go and follow her, guys. She's fame. She's awesome. Or if she's like me, still deciding. I mean, my private my my profile is still private, so whatever. <laughs> but um, next follow week, me. <clears throat> yeah, just follow me, and I'll deny you. Uh, next week. We are unsure of the topic. I didn't talk to two people that do want to be a guest, so we'll to be determined. Um, but until next time, bitches. Bye. Bye. Bye.